Greetings and welcome to another episode of the Virginia Hospital and Healthcare Association's Patients Come First podcast series. Podcast episodes are available on www.vhha.com and on popular podcast hosting sites and apps, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Pandora, and many others. Episodes of the podcast also air each Saturday at noon and Sunday at 10 a.m. on 100.5 FM, 92.7 FM, and 820 AM across Central Virginia. Please send any questions, comments, or feedback to pcfpodcast at vhha.com. Again, that's pcfpodcast at vhha.com. And with that out of the way, today we're pleased to be joined by Dr. Gary Miller, a cardiologist and the vice mayor of Danville City Council, for a conversation about his work in medicine, local government, and how they intersect. Welcome to the program, Dr. Miller. Well, thank you for having me. And let's start by talking about COVID-19. While there's still a lot we don't know, here's what some of the anecdotal evidence tells us that most people who have coronavirus completely recover within a few weeks, but there are plenty of people who continue to experience residual symptoms after their initial recovery. And while this is a respiratory disease that affects the lungs, there's a growing body of research that indicates some lasting damage to the heart muscle among survivors. Even in people who experience mild symptoms, that damage may increase the risk of heart failure or other future heart complications. So I wonder, Dr. Miller, as a cardiologist, what are your observations about this emerging research and whether you've had patients at your practice, cardiology consultants of Danville, who have experienced cardiac complications associated with the coronavirus? Well, certainly we have. Our population tends to be skewed toward those patients who suffer the most from the coronavirus, i.e., they have hypertension, heart disease, heart failure, diabetes, and uh, they're in the older age groups, although we've had some younger people, 40s and 50s, that have had severe attacks of coronavirus. And we know that from research, 32% of patients who are admitted to the hospital have positive troponin markers for heart damage. And so what are you seeing when you, you're experiencing these patients? Are, are they registering in your examinations as, as potentially having lasting effects to the heart muscle from this? Well, of course, lasting effects is hard to say, but we've seen the whole gamut. We've got patients with mild disease. I've had, unfortunately, uh, several patients die who were hospitalized. And I can bring to mind one gentleman who was a, a 50-year-old security guard who uh, was sick for a week on the ventilator, recovered, but he's been out of the hospital for probably eight weeks, and he still has shortness of breath. He's had a lot of trouble with blood clotting inflammatory reaction, he's a long way from being recovered and even developed a blood clot in his heart after he got out of the hospital. So it appears he's going to have long-lasting effects. Well, I'm certainly sorry to hear that for that individual and for anybody that's uh, experienced this illness. But as you say, and as we discussed, there's just so much that's unpredictable about this virus and that we're still learning. As we mentioned earlier, in addition to your clinical work, you also serve as vice mayor of the Danville City Council and you've been a member of council since 2008. You also once ran for the Virginia House of Delegates. So all of this, this blend of clinical work and public policy work and serving in, in elective office is old hat to you. But I'd like to hear your thoughts about the intersection of public health and public policy. As you know, the current governor of the Commonwealth is Ralph Northam, a physician. The candidate for Virginia's 5th Congressional District is Dr. Cameron Webb of UVA, who was a recent guest on this podcast. And in the time of a global pandemic when healthcare concerns remain a top domestic policy concern for voters, there seems to be at least a micro-trend of people with clinical or public health backgrounds who are pursuing candidacies for public office. So I wonder, speaking from your own personal experience, what are your views on the benefits of having the perspective of a healthcare professional serving also in elected? Roles. Well, it's become 
never more evident as it is now because this pandemic is new to all of us. You know, they say, we, we were kidding one day, the nurses and I, you know, at the hospital, well, we signed up for this. We didn't know exactly what we signed up for, but we signed up for it, so we're going to take care of these patients. Now, many people didn't sign up for it, and, uh, you know, anywhere from first responders, police, fire, your local man who picks up your garbage, all these people are exposed to COVID. And really, there is no front line. That's one of the things I keep saying. This is like a guerrilla warfare. People can hit you from the blind side that you didn't know had COVID, and suddenly you've been exposed or your patients have been exposed. So it's good for public officials to have some knowledge of medical issues. And unfortunately, it's become apparent to many of us that people who are in the business world or the government world have no clue about the implications or what these diseases can do. And they're learning. And of course, all of us are learning. But if you have some medical knowledge, you, I think you can better advise people who haven't had the education in um, microbiology, virology, whatever, and the benefit from vaccines and so forth. Is there any particular instance that you can think of in your career, Dr. Miller, where your work in medicine influenced or helped inform your decision-making or the decision-making of your colleagues on Danville City Council? Oh, yeah, and at the hospital as well. But I frequently get asked questions, and we discuss what we can do for the city's response and the employees. We have 1,200 employees, and as I said, in one way or the other, all of them become exposed to COVID. So I've certainly given advice to the mayor and the, and the city manager and, and council members of the best response, and of course, includes social distancing and masks, wearing masks. Even early on, when it was said masks don't protect you, said, you know, for years we've been wearing masks when people have influenza, a similar virus, or other contagious disease for two reasons. One is to protect yourself when we, we have somebody with the flu, you know, this was past spring, the flu was particularly bad, the regular flu, and we would put our PPE on and go in a room. We didn't want to catch the flu from them, but we didn't want to, you know, somebody's immunosuppressed. We didn't want to give them anything either. So the masks worked both ways. And I was early on saying, you know, I didn't understand what the Surgeon General and what was coming out, that masks only kept you from giving it to somebody else. Masks protect you from getting the coronavirus. And I was saying that on our city council meetings and Facebook and so forth. That masks work both ways. Well, that's certainly good advice and appreciate you sharing that. And actually, on the subject of advice, that's a great segue to our next question, which transitions from more professional-oriented questions to more personal ones. And so the question that I have for you is, what is the best piece of advice that you've ever been given? Well, I guess medically, uh, it goes way back to a surgeon mentor of mine when I was an orderly <laughs> and uh, later became a physician. Uh, to treat your patients well, listen to your patients, listen to the public. The same, same with the public. Listen to the patients, their families, show respect for patients and families. That applies to anything you do, government work as well. You want to listen to the public. They have concerns. Many times they're well-founded. Uh, if they're not, you know, at least you want to listen and hear their side of the story because everybody has a different take on problems. That's absolutely true. And having open listening ears uh, and treating people with decency is always good advice. The next question, sir, and this is an entirely imaginary premise, but in the hypothetical scenario that you could anticipate your final day on Earth, what would you want your last meal to be? Last meal? Yes, sir. Well, it had to be seafood. 
Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I came from I came from the mountains of South West Virginia. But growing up there in rural Appalachia, we didn't get any seafood. All we got was what we caught out of the stream, which was fish. But once I moved to Richmond, Virginia, and then was exposed to great seafood, I just that's my favorite. Dish, okay. seafood, and any, I tell any, them eat anything in red per- meat. Anything in particular? Are we talking like salmon or shrimp or salmon? Okay, definitely salmon. I get salmon as often as I can. I had a good piece of salmon for dinner last night, so I can appreciate mm-hmm. that. The next question, sir, is what's the top item on your bucket list? Personal bucket list, or what I can do for the city? I'm trying. To your your call. You 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 define the question okay. as you see fit. Well, I want to go back a few years. Before I got on city council, I was sitting in my office one day, and a 45, I guess 50-year-old gentleman I was, I was treating for blood pressure and heart disease was crying. He lost his job at Dan River after working there 30 years, and he says, you know, nobody wants me. I mean, I, I can't train. I can't get a new job. Nobody's willing to train somebody my age. What can I do? And at that point, I realized I can fix your blood pressure, I can fix your heart, but I can't get you a job, I can't get you trained. And that was sort of my impetus to start and to go into to, uh public policy because there's an area where you can get people jobs and get them trained so my i guess my goal is, is to keep improving Danville. you know we're an all-american city now when i started we were in the throes of recession unemployment 15 to 20 percent we lost dan river mills at one time 16,000 employees the tobacco industry was down so the, that's what i think about is trying to make continue to improve Danville. Renovated the downtown. We're an all-American city. New industry coming in, and and I feel like I've made a improvement at local government. So I guess that's on my bucket list. I'm going to do one thing this weekend, though. It's a personal bucket list. I'm going to, I'm going to go to Grayson Highlands and hike, and then ride the New River Trail. I've never done that on my bicycle. Okay. Well, listen. Always, always upward and onward. Always improving. That's a that's a, a great and lofty goal. And you'd be safe there when you're uh, riding your bike on the trail. Yeah. Oh yeah. And then finally, if you were stranded on a deserted island, what one okay. book, one album, and one movie would you want to take with you to keep yourself company? We will spot you a copy of the religious text of your choice. So other than that, what are your three entertainment survival kit picks? Okay, so we've got to have a movie. Summer, it's Lawrence of Arabia. Lawrence, not this. Go round. Damascus, Orange. Damascus. No prisoners. It's a long movie, but mm-hmm. it shows what one one person can do to change the world. Mm-hmm. I just always been fascinated with that movie. I can watch it over and over and over again. It's also several hours long, so if you're on <laughs> Desert Island, it's a good one to be watching. Occupy some time. Yeah, occupy some time. What else was it? A, uh, a book and an album. A book. I, uh, I'm a science fiction buff, so it had to be some kind of science fiction book. Although, the other thing I like is the Revolutionary War. I'm really fascinated by the, those times and, and how people are able to uh, do that. So I'm all the time reading about things like So it would be a, revolution, a book about the Revolutionary War. I guess it was Killing England. I can't remember who wrote that. It was a good one. And I'm reading one on, now on uh, Valley Forge. Okay. Uh, I'm just fascinated at how... People at that time were tough they were. I don't know how and, and what they did and you know what they were thinking. But it was some kind of Revolutionary War book. And then an album. And, what, and an album? Yes, sir. Well, I've got like a CD counts too, I guess. Uh, yes, Simon sir. and Garfunkel.
play it a lot and also play the uh, the greatest showman. Okay. That musical. I yeah, I'm familiar with it. Every other day in my office and listen to it. I don't know why it fascinates me, but I love that CD album. Okay, well, listen, I want to thank you for sharing those picks with us and for sparing a few moments of your time to be with us today. And with that, that's going to bring us to the close of another episode of the Virginia Hospital and Healthcare Association's Patients Come First podcast. If you like what you heard, please make sure to leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and subscribe so that you know when new episodes are available. And we want to thank our guest, Dr. Miller, a cardiologist and the vice mayor of Danville City Council, for joining us today. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Thank you.